It's Sunday, but we have a special bonus episode of Locked On MLB. Your pal Sully was a guest on Locked On Rockies, and you know what? Decided to share it with you, my everyday Sully listeners. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, look at that. There's my lower third. You can call me Sully. I'm an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for well over a decade now. And I have been here on the Locked On Podcast Network on a variety of shows, mainly on this one, uh, for the past, uh, what is it, I guess it's the past five years or so uh follow us at lockdown mlb pods on twitter and instagram i am your pal sully i'm at sully baseball on twitter sully baseball podcast on instagram so uh we have a full week of shows coming up uh miller's going to be on with me on the monday show we're going to be talking a little bit about the hall of fame induction interesting weekend of baseball the yankees dusting themselves off getting back into it dodgers showing who's boss and a couple other interesting developments in some of the games including some of the national league uh, contenders on the fringe are not coming up as strongly as they hope this weekend. So we'll talk a little bit about that. However, I did a guest spot on Lockdown Rockies with a friend of the podcast, Paul Holden. We talked a little bit about the state of the team and also the future of manager Bud Black. And all this week, uh, Paul is not going to be there. So I am going to be guest hosting Locked on Rockies at least one episode, maybe two, maybe as many as three times I'm going to be the voice of Locked on Rockies as well as Locked on MLB. So what I'm going to be doing right now, this is my intro. This is a bonus for you all. And this is my appearance on Locked on Rockies that dropped last week on Friday. And starting on Monday and Tuesday, you can check me out being a guest host on Locked on Rockies, or our good friend Paul Holden. So here we go. This is my appearance on Locked on Rockies. We talked about the state of the Rocks and also manager Bud Black. You're you're uh, covering the 2023 Rockies. What are you hoping to see from this Rockies team uh, uh, during your week of, of, of paying a little bit more extra attention to this team, uh, especially compared to what you already know? Well, first of all, the Rockies did everything I wanted them to do as a native New Englander and lifelong Red Sox fan by taking uh, two out of three from the Yankees the other day or the other week. So uh, we all were Rocky fans uh, that week. We were all big CJ Crone fans and um, uh, and uh, Jones, who had a huge home run in that in that series and the walk off by. Oh God! What's his name? Alan uh, Trejo. Alan Trejo, Trejo. Thank you. Let's see. That, that's an important thing. It's the young. These are young new Rockies having impacts. Nolan Jones. Alan. Alan Trejo's been around, but younger guys. And then of course CJ Crone, the, the the big veteran bat. But man, the Yankees are in deep trouble, aren't they, Sully? They well, they look dejected there in Colorado. Well, yeah, and um, and not just in Colorado, but the fact that they, you know, they got they got swept by an Angels team that that looked neck from the you know dead from the neck up. And now they, after the sweep, they realize, hey, we're as close to the wild card as the Yankees are. Why would we want to trade Otani? Um, when you looked at that 
that schedule they had where they said we're going to play the A's, the Cardinals, the Orioles were obviously good, the Cubs, the Rocks, and the Angels. You think, okay, this is where we're going to feast. And, you know, they went one and five against the Rockies and the Angels, and they didn't fare well elsewhere. So, I mean, I'll tell you one of the things that, that I, I really enjoyed watching that series beyond just the, the schadenfreude. I think the Yankees, I think they should be thinking about selling, quite frankly, mm-hmm. or at least jettisoning parts who are going to be non-tendered and try to get, you know, a few cans of Sprite. But the thing that was really enjoyable watching the Rockies team is there was there was an energy to them. There was an excitement to them. And, you know, do I think, that, you know, there's – they're not a great team. I, I know I don't have to tell you that, but they're not, they didn't seem dead from the neck up. And I do like the fact, and look at, I understand the mentality is you have to, you know, you have to jettison anyone over the age of 30 to try to get someone back. But, you know, I had said that having someone like Chris Bryant on your team, you know, why would you want to trade him? You know, first of all, you've signed him to the deal, and he's made his, his, a commitment to stay there. You're never going to get back a superstar for him. So why not have a guy who's a former MVP, has World Series experience, who can basically polish his World Series ring, has enough money to send his great-grandchildren to law school, and lives in, can live and you know, work his days at Denver, which is a beautiful city. Why wouldn't you want to have someone like that uh, on the team. In fact, you would almost pitch him to him. said, you're playing the Todd Helton role now. Mm-hmm. You know, you're playing the guy that we have all these young kids. We know there's someone who has been there, done that, and did it at a terrific level. And you saw that there was, while they're not a great team, there wasn't a lot of um, giving up on the squad. You know, obviously, you know, Diaz, you know, became the, had the, the highlight for the Rockies season. I was there, within, man. It well, was so fun. It was within it was within a week. The Rockies season was Diaz being the hero of the All-Star game and taking, you know, winning two from the Yankees, especially that cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs final <laughs> game, which I'm I'm still not convinced is over. Right. And you know, yeah, there's the mindset of all right, you got lucky that you found Diaz in the, you know, in the little bin at Walmart for $5.95. But that being said, why wouldn't you want to have a veteran like him? You're not going to get a blue chipper back for him. And this is one of the things I think is kind of important. If you're not going to get a difference-making player back, then sometimes those trades are not worth making. Mm -hmm. Maybe Diaz has more value as an all-star veteran that you can lean on on a team. Maybe Bryant, who you won't get near his value for, you know, anything, then the value he has is on the team. Um, and and you, you and I are going to talk a little bit about trades and everything like that, but my take on the team is they it – was, it was refreshing to see that they were a team that clearly, you know, got up for the game. Yeah. Clearly – realize that hey this is our moment to to play and matter for mm-hmm. this year and uh you know you see someone like nolan jones who's a you know you've seen on him on the you know rockies prospects list um i think around the same time that andres galarraga was on the team <laughs> i think he was drafted when they were still playing in mile high stadium i may be wrong i may have to look that up but to see him coming up and 
get a big hit like that and, you know, do pretty well in his first, you know, 40 or 50 games, however long he's been with the team, you know, he's done okay. And, you know, there are some good pieces to the team, obviously. And this is a stunning turn of events with the Rockies. The issue is going to be their pitching. Yeah. But um, unlike previous teams where you just think about, you think about like the Braves of the 90s, you know, the Orioles of the, you know, the 70s, the Dodgers of the 60s, and the Rockies their whole time. Those are the great pitching teams in the history of baseball. You know, Kevin, you know, I put Kevin Ritz alongside Koufax and Jim Palmer and Greg Maddox, but um, they were fun. They were fun. And again, I also wonder how much this has to do with having, um, uh, you know, a, a stable veteran manager like like Bud Black. You know, there yeah. is something to be said about having experience as a manager. And it's not, all, you know, I'm not an anti-analytics guy. I, first of all, I know I've got the gray hair. I know I look a little <laughs> bit like Reed Richards in the Fantastic Four, maybe Paulie Walnuts with that little gray streaks that I've got. But, you know, I, I, I think there's a combination of old school and new school I think can work. And, I, you know, they were fun. They were fun and they didn't give up, which is really in so many ways the only thing you can ask for a young team. Yeah, and it's you know there's a couple of things with with Chris Bryant. I I just want him to I want him to take that step forward. He, he's he's not really as he's not he's above he's a below uh, average player when it comes to uh, wins above replacement this year. His numbers seem to be down. The, the power is not there, but you are right. He's still that MVP. He's been there. He's done that. He just hasn't been able to stay on the field as much. That's the biggest frustration. Chris Bryant's yeah. got to be out there every day for the Rockies. And now you look at the injury report ahead of this Miami series. He's day to day again after he missed a month of this season with the with the bruised heel. I think it was he missed the um, all. Uh, he only played in around sixty ball games last year. We just need more from Chris Bryant. But I think you're right. His experience is there. The Rockies do have the right veterans on the team. They just love to play those veterans over the young guys. So there's ways that yeah. are kind of blocking some of these young guys as well. So that's the disadvantage yeah. of an old school manager like Bud Black. And yeah. that's the big I, problem. I, that I understand. And that I could see why that could be frustrating. I mean, as of this recording, uh, we're recording this on the, you and I are recording this on the 20th of uh, July, um, 2023, in case you're wondering which year. <laughs> um, as of now, uh, over his two, over the 2022 and 2023 season combined, uh, Chris Bryant has played 105 games with the Rocks. Um, you know, he has 13 home runs in those 105 games, and his OPS is 770. Neither one of those are horrible, and neither one of those are particularly very good. No, you um, think Chris Bryant would be doing a course field? I mean, he's hitting his home runs mostly on the road as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean. I remember some people got on him for signing that huge contract with Colorado, of which I, I just think anyone who said that could, should just go kick rocks. Get because paid. first of all, first of all, it's like, you know, in terms of him wanting to stay loyal or to an organization or something, the Cubs traded him. Mm-hmm. And a guy who was a homegrown hero led him to the first World Series championship since Theodore Roosevelt was president. And you thought he was going to be a cub for life. And even when they were selling everything that wasn't nailed down in Wrigleyville, I thought they're going to keep Bryant, right? They're going to keep Bryant. So he's at least the, the elder statesman of the team. 
And nope, send him off to San Francisco. And so when he was at that point, I said, well, hell, if this is just money, who's going to offer me the most money? Yeah. And as I said, he's got, if anyone's going to question his heart or his, you know, his championship, just show your, your, you know, World Series ring with the Cubs in someone's face. Say, not a lot of people have this. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so, you know, I do not, I do not begrudge a man for signing a deal that pays him $28 million a year until the heat death of the universe. Yeah. Um, but it, and, and of course he is being paid for, you know, he's being paid for past performance. He is being paid for his performance with the Cubs, but you're right. If he, you know, there, there is a DH now. There wasn't when he, uh, no, there was the, wait, when did, when did the universal DH kick? I hate the universal DH. When, when did the universal <laughs> DH kick it? Was that last year? I think it wasn't at the, did the pandemic basically usher it in? Was it 20? Yeah, but there was the, there was the one, I think the one year. So twenty twenty two pandemic. Yeah, last year I think was the first time University okay, DH. That's right. Because okay. I think Herman Marquez was in a race for being the last silver slugger pitcher. I think he had a a, a, a run for it. No, it's because the the lockout was after the 2021 season. That's right. And that yep. was part of the collective bargain. And that was the way I was able to rationalize. I, I liked having each league be different. Mm-hmm. You know, I that was I liked that quirk. That's right. And uh and I rationalized by saying, like, well, I would I would rather have baseball than no universal DH. So I've been able to grind my teeth. Although I watching a national league game, I still get used to it. Here's the eighth hitter. So what are they going to do next? Oh, nothing. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, a, it, it's the, it's, I, I got more beef with the runner on second. That's much. Oh, that's the runner on second was fine for the COVID year. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't know how well, you know, good fellas, but I was always took it like <laughs> the scene when Paulie, takes Henry Hill aside and about him selling drugs that you had to do what you had to do when we were inside, but you knocked right. that off. And I was like, okay, we had to do that during the COVID year, but now knock it off. Right. You know, I, I say tie after 12. Yeah. I think why not embrace a tie? I don't really think it, uh, people get or, so caught. Or if you got if you're going to have ghost runner, do it after 12, give yeah, us a couple of innings. Know. Give us because it give really us the all-star game home run derby rule. Well, you know? I don't want a division title one because we're throwing <laughs> batting practice to freaking, you know, Giancarlo Stanton, you know, so I'm sorry. I don't want to, uh, the, I got to draw the line somewhere. No, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> you know, but, uh, it's, uh, but, it's, well, it's, look at, I got to just say that, you know, you're talking about, um, the Rockies and you're talking about basically this team is put together in a way where there's some, you know, new parts and there's some, young parts and putting those parts together. Do you know what? That's like what you need to do with your car. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the rocks, but first, Hey, we're going to talk a little bit about E Bay motors. Look at a championship team. It's all about making sure that each player is a perfect fit. Did you hear that, Bud Black? Sometimes we're young with new. And it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can make sure that every part fits right the first time around. Just add your ride, and I always call my car my ride, to my garage and look for the green check to know which part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. When you shop at eBay Motors and with over 122 parts to choose from, 
eBay Motors is the place that you go back to over and over because you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Sorry, Canada. Eligible items only. And exclusions apply. That was a hell of a read. I loved that. Uh... <laughs> Let's keep hitting the bumpers. Let's keep hitting the keep bumpers. Hitting the bumpers. Keep playing the classic. We don't. We, I, Sully, I kind of wanted to pick your brain on this because we talked a little bit about this. There are people that call for the firing of Bud Black, right. and I think that there are there's some stuff that it's like, yes, for example, in that Yankees game. Why Ezekiel Tovar swings at the first pitch, goes for the bunt after that, and then goes down instead of just laying down the bunt, moving the runner. The Rockies, there's just been some times where you just kind of scratch your heads, and then it is with the lineup construction. The Rockies need to get their young guys playing as much as possible, and not trading them is going to make that even more complicated. But I'm curious, though, Sully, do you think a change in manager is really what the Rockies need. I, I think oh. it's more the change needs to come in the front office side, and maybe that trickles down into the manager, but I don't think Bud Black is costing the Rockies or holding the Rockies back. I don't think so at all, and I was not a Bud Black fan when he was the manager of San Diego. I think he was he inherited a very good team from Bruce, Bruce Bochy, um, but he did have a couple of years where he did a good job managing the squad, and he's had a couple of very good years, obviously, managing in Colorado. Here's why I don't look at I can't pretend that I have dissected each day the same way that, you know, like you. I hope you've been following it closely. <laughs> I would be psychotic if I was right. <laughs> I don't think Bud Black is the issue with this team for a couple of reasons. First of all, I, you could resurrect John McGraw or Earl Weaver right now, and they're not winning with this roster. OK, mm-hmm. and any manager that you you bring in, a, you're bringing a manager for one of two reasons. You need someone to rebuild the the club from you know from because the person doing it is not is not going in the right direction, and that's where the lineup construction may be your argument against Bud Black, or you're doing it because you're on the verge of something great, and this is not the right person to have the car keys. I call that Grady Little syndrome. Now. I don't think the Rocky. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't think the Rockies are on the verge of a pennant, mm-hmm. but I also don't think Bud Black is the is the person holding the team back. And I think that, like having Bryant on the team, maybe just maybe having a little bit of stability on the team, even if it isn't you know even if it isn't uh uh you know heading to the pennant. Having a little bit of stability on the squad is not exactly the worst thing in the world. You know, he is a manager, a former manager of the year. He is a World Series champion player. He is someone with a baseball lifer. So when you come in and he's the one in the clubhouse, yeah, he's someone who should at least get the respect of everyone. And this is a team that you know pieces are starting to be put together. And I I, I don't think that you know making a change with him. I don't, it would be a borderline panic move for a team that's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, if, now, if he was on the, if this was a Bobby Valentine situation when he was managing the Red Sox and that was like giving a pyromaniac a Zippo lighter, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's wrong. If this is a situation where he's lost the team and, you know, everyone just can't stand the sight of him and people are grumbling and screaming about having them go, that's, that's a different thing. Or if Bud Black, who obviously has a very long resume and has taken, you know, uh, nearly took, you know, took the Padres to ironically losing the greatest moment in Rockies history, which is the <laughs> wild card game in 07, but taking the Rockies to the postseason in back-to-back years um, and won the manager of the year in 2010, I could see a team looking to make a managerial, a veteran team looking to make a managerial team may look to someone like Bud Black. I could see him leaving the Rockies for greener pastures. I don't think he's going to be the Yankee manager anytime soon, but there are other teams out there that, you know, I look at their managerial situation and say, yikes. Um, I don't think Bud Black would be the worst manager in the world to do something like that. Um, you know, there, I'll just make one prediction. I have a feeling there may be a change in Seattle. Especially mm. the, the, the Mariners threw all this money at this team. They made the playoffs last year. They're, they're, they can't get out of their own way. A manager like Bud Black on a team where a lot of the pieces are already in place might not be the worst thing in the world. So if Bud Black leaves the team, I think it will probably be more on his own accord, kind of like Bob Melvin when he took one look around and said, "Are you blowing this team up again?" To the Oakland management, he said, "Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to reenact the movie, you know, Major League, and and move the team out of here." And said, mm-hmm. "Screw this! I'm going to San Diego where I can underachieve with a big <laughs> payroll instead of being in Oakland where I can overachieve with a small payroll." It's weird. It's Bob being Bob Melvin is strange, but yeah. um. Uh, you know, I don't think he's the problem, and I like stability when you're trying to rebuild a squad. I don't – and I do think that, you know, look at I think I think Aaron Boone has shown he should not be the manager of this of the Yankees. It would not stun me to see Buck Showalter leave, um, I think, in a similar way as he's like, I'm out of here. Um, you know, if Bud Black would manage in New York – I think they can pick worse people. I think they have. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, yeah, I think that I, I think Bud Black is an interesting baseball lifer. And, and you know, if you're trying to build a team, I, I, you could do worse. You can do a hell of a lot worse than having him be your manager. Yeah. And, and you, you, I think you kind of hit a good point there where when Bud Black came in and it was most successful, it was the good Rockies team where they had built uh, successful teams. It's the the Arenado story, LeMahieu mm-hmm. teams with Marquez, Senza, Freeland and John Gray in the rotation. So clearly the pieces were there for the Rockies and Bud Black was able to the offense has been the biggest issue under Bud Black's tenure is did the Rockies have not been the Blake Street bombers and that's going to be on full, I think, a, a big full display this weekend here as the Rockies get ready to take on the Marlins. We're going to talk about that and uh, get ready for uh, this weekend series with Miami coming up here in segment number three. Well, bumpers, back in- bumpers, bumpers, bumpers. I know you, you got more pizzazz. You're adding some more pizzazz. Uh, Sully here uh, joining us here from Locked On MLB, but he's also taking over the big chair here on Locked On Rockies next week uh, for a little. Uh, and he's, I'm going out out on a little vacation. He's going to be bringing you your daily Rockies coverage, and it's going to start by this weekend here, gearing up to watch 
uh, where the Rockies have historically struggled. We talked about it this week. The Rockies are have won, I believe, uh, less than uh, uh, 40 games all time in Miami. The, the Miami has dominated in Miami, whereas Colorado has dominated in Colorado. This is a Rockies team that uh, needs to, to, to continue to increase their home runs here. And we were teasing before. Rockies offense, the big issue. And uh, this is a Rockies team that's climbed their way close to 500 at home. But when you go on the road for the Colorado Rockies, uh, as they get ready to go and start this series, they're 14 and 33 away from Coors Field. So, so Sully, who do you, who are you got your eye on for in this series? Maybe it's Marlins arms that the Rockies need to be concerned about, or uh, who are you hoping for some Rockies to, to have some big series here? Well, look at, um, I think the biggest thing is you're catching the Marlins with their pants down. Mm-hmm. This is a period, the Marlins for the first, uh, anyone who follows me on Sully Baseball, I keep track of something called the summer score. And the summer score is I keep track of all the days that a team is in a playoff spot, whether it's wild card or a division lead, um, since Memorial Day. Memorial Day, I think you can never look at those standings before Memorial Day. But after Memorial Day, after about a third of the season has gone by, then you say, okay, then you can look at the standings. And so each day you're on you know, one of the playoff teams after Memorial Day, you get a point for every day in June, two points every day in July. It, you know, it gets higher and higher as you go further. So you have the big, by the end of the year, you've seen if you give your fan base a, a summer. The Marlins were in a playoff spot starting on Memorial Day up until about two days ago. Now, they climb back in today because they're idle and the Phillies lost. Mm-hmm. But they had a big chunk. In fact, for a while, they were on pace to host the wild card series in Miami. They have no prayer of catching Atlanta. I know that, and you know that. But something has happened. Actually, something's happened to both Florida teams in July as the you know the Rays have fallen off a cliff. And the Marlins, who really just looked like they were putting everything together, even with Alcantara having a bad year. Right. I mean, Alcantara won the the Cy Young Award last year, and deservedly so. Mm -hmm. He's having an off year. I'm calling it an off year because even though, you know, his win-loss record is terrible and his his ERA is high, uh, to his credit, he's going deep into games. You know, you don't, he doesn't kill the bullpen. He'll let up five runs, but he'll pitch six or seven innings. You know, so, it, you know, in that sense, it's not a complete catastrophe. But you you look at the team and, you know, we're uh, – let me put it this way. I mean, are we doing our uh, Luisa rise? Is he going to hit 400 watch anymore? <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a couple of – there's a couple elements of the team that have really cooled off over the last, you know, month or so. And the Rockies are catching them at the right time. Kind of mm-hmm. like you're catch- when you caught the Yankees at a time where they didn't have Judge and yep. their their pitching staff was in was in absolute disarray. You know, you you have the good fortune of doing that. And also, you know, let's let's call let's call it the way it is. The Rockies don't have a lot of pressure right now. Yeah. And the Marlins have a huge amount of pressure right now. So when you're playing Lucy and also Goosey. And you look up and you see a team that's fighting for their lives. Yeah, yeah, there's a little bit, you know, you can you can play a little more relaxed. I mean, by the way, I'm not trying to knock Luis Arise. He's batting 376 right. with an OPS <laughs> near 888. But remember, he was batting 390-something. And we we're like, oh, my God, look out. You know, someone find Ted Williams' frozen head. You know, <laughs> and 
this is, and they're now, you know, they're, things have slowed down. The magic in Miami is not as strong as it was. So it, it would behoove the Rocks to take advantage of that. Yep. You know, it would behoove the Rocks. You know, it, you know, it'd be nice to see Ryan McMahon's power come back. It'd be nice to see Bryant get a big, huge hit in the middle of it. But you saw Kron get a, uh, uh, you know, get a couple of huge hits recently. Obviously, Diaz is still, you know, a good, solid player. It'd be nice to see, you know, the Trejos and the Joneses and some of those other players, you know, Tovar and all of them who may not be as familiar with Miami, uh, to be able to take advantage of some of that. I don't, uh, who, I don't know who the the the, um, who the the starters are going to be at this point. Rockies but, uh, don't have a starter listed for tomorrow. That's the, you know, Rockies pitching staff is completely decimated. Austin Gomber, the only healthy Rocky uh, starter left on the roster. Rockies did go with Chris Flexen, signed him to a minor league deal. I uh, haven't heard anything about coming up, uh, but we'll see if that happens. Uh, signed to an Albuquerque deal. But yeah, uh, the the uh, the Rockies, no starter yet, at least as of recording. Uh, could be a bullpen game there before Austin Gomber taking the bump uh, later on in that series i believe I'll tell you, paul let me tell you another thing that that's going to come in their advantage at least in this series against miami is that you know the trade deadline's coming up in just a few weeks and oddly the most valuable players the rockies have to trade are pitchers which is a weird yeah. thing but you know bard who i love it's a great story you could get something from him you could get mm -hmm. something for brad hand there's a couple of these relievers. You can get something for them. You know, maybe yep. Justin Lawrence can get you a good player back in return. See, I think Lawrence is the one they hold on to. I think okay, Lawrence well, fits in with that. But, fair but enough. I think I but think you know, all those veteran Brent Suter is another option that right, you have. Right. He just came back. There's plenty of, of hey, they're not going to be the anchor to your bullpen, but are, is your bullpen going to get more depth and better when you add these guys? Yeah, because they, they've shown success this year. And you mentioned not over one thing that's good about Sandy is not giving leaning into that bullpen too much. This is a Rockies bullpen that statistically at times has been great, but have unfortunately had to be turned to because the lack of depth at starting pitching and then some of the starters the Rockies have aren't going two, three innings. They're they're getting turned to in the in the third, the fourth sometimes in too much work. But the Rockies bullpen took down the Astros in a in a game the Rockies used seven pitchers uh in a, in a game at Coors Field. And so look how they shut down the Yankees in Coors too. The mm -hmm. by the way, I gotta just say there's something uh we'll get back to everything for a second, but there was something about there was a weird sort of Schadenfreude justice of the Yankees firing their hitting coach. <laughs> and bringing in J. Jonah Jameson lookalike Sean Casey to be the new hitting coach. And, of course, with a break in the All-Star game, so everyone's a little fresher, and they said, ah, here's the deal. We're going to Coors Field, the easiest park to hit in, going up against one of the worst pitching staffs, and everyone rested and relaxed from, you know, post-All-Star game. And they're going to put up a big – you know, big, you know, fireworks display in cores. And it's going to like, oh, it's a genius. He's a genius. Look at how he's turned the hitting around. And the fact that that strategy just belly flopped. <laughs> There's something just so delicious about that. Um, uh, I mentioned the, the potential trade bait for this reason. Um, they're going to Miami with those pitchers. 
they still have those veteran pitchers in their bullpen. Mm-hmm. You know, once the trade deadline goes, and let's say they traded away, um, you know, Hand and Suter and Bard, uh, you know, heaven help the heaven help them going forward. Yeah, you know, the last right. third, they are gonna. I think you and I may be in their pen for a little while. It's right. gonna be the fourteenth caller. In fact, that's gonna be our. Uh, I'm gonna do my trivia contest. Whoever gets the trivia question right gets to pitch an inning of relief in a real, you know, Rockies game. You know, they're going to be they're going to be watching the movie The Rookie and scouting as many high schools for. Is there someone who wants to live their dream? Because <laughs> somebody uh, out there just hurling. <laughs> I thought that was I mean, that's a great movie, by the way. The Rookie with Dennis Quaid is a really great movie. But I and I remember when I saw I saw it in the theater with my buddy uh, Julius Sharp, who's a you know great, a wonderful writer and comedian. We we walked out. We were both sobbing because we're humans. And but I turned to him and said, "Was that a beautiful story?" about never giving up on your dreams or was that an indictment on the tampa bay devil rays who said <laughs> i don't know where to get the pitch why don't you you school teacher just call him up he come, on, come, just come on i don't care you're old you're teaching you've given it doesn't matter let's go let's go we need arms let's go i'll elect with the feel-good story i i think but yeah it's it's I think the bit some of the biggest misconceptions people have about the Rockies is they're this offense team when and there's no pitching. Yet when you really break it down and you look at it, the the bullpen and that's pretty good. And, yeah, and uh, like Austin Gomber has uh, you know a, a, a tough Rockies tenure, but has been the ve- the only key piece there and that has been mostly successful this year. I I just think though the Rockies got to sell as much as possible. I mean, it, it's just. As much as the the right veterans, the right guys can can help the Rockies right now to to, to catch up. I mean, the, the problem with the Rockies now is you're not just catching the Dodgers anymore. You got to catch the Diamondbacks, who are a, a, a team that are much that kind of are the young, exciting, fun. The, who I want the Rockies to be, full of right. young guys that steal bases, that have great, you know. And the, and Arizona plays with some you know altitude issues, offensive friendly stuff, the you know type of stuff. Not as much as the Rockies, obviously, but and the Giants always going to be there. They will never and, until I, I know it's not an odd year or it's not an even year, but they're still floating around. Padres, eh, you never know the Padres. We'll, we'll just keep laughing at them. But to, to get up to the a division title or even in the wild card. You got to be better than your division, and the the gap between the rest of the NLS and the Rockies is is seems like one of the biggest in all of the all of the divisions in baseball. Well, then you just got to keep piling those talent up. I mean, you got to just cross your fingers because every once in a while, like an eclipse, it does all line up, and it will line up again for Colorado. Yep, so, it's that. we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we. But hey, uh, but hey, Rockies fans, let me, I gotta get used to talking to your Rocky fans. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, take it away. Hey, um, I'm next week. Uh, the Paul's not going to be here, but I'm your pal Sully. I'm. Uh, I know I'm going to be sitting in uh, for a couple of these shows that I'm going to host here at the luxurious Locked On MLB Studios uh, right now in Palo Alto, California, uh, <laughs> and uh, so we're going to be talking. Uh, I am going to be, you know, Paul's going to make a cameo or two where we're going to talk a little bit about the future and some of the the young rocks who are percolating through the system. Uh, And I'm also going to be doing it. We're going to be covering the games, but I have a segment that I'm making for an upcoming Locked on Rockies episode 
where we're going to be talking a little bit about an well, the alternate history oh. of Denver baseball. Yes, there were several times that there was a team that almost came to the city of Denver before the formation of the Rockies in 1992. Denver was always clearly a wonderful sports city. I Several of my cousins grew up in Colorado, and their sports was part of their DNA, and it drove me crazy they didn't have a Major League Baseball team. The Denver Zephyrs drew great crowds when they used to play at, mm-hmm. at uh, Mile High Stadium. And there were two instances where Denver was this close to not getting an expansion team, but getting an established team. And one scenario would have had a beloved Denver superstar be Ricky Henderson. And another would have been Barry Bonds in his prime, skinny <laughs> Barry Bonds playing in Mile High. Could you imagine that? Maybe there wouldn't have been a need to add anything to his breakfast routine. But that's going to be a little preview about those alternate histories and how close they came to being a reality. But, hey, uh, my name is Paul Francis Sullivan. I'm begging you to call me Sully. You can follow me normally as the host of the Locked On MLB podcast. Follow that Locked On MLB pods on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Look down there as long as Twitter still exists. And as of this recording, it does. Uh, I'll be at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. This Bajic Loop over there, that's Paul Holden, also Paul Francis. But don't call him Sully, whatever you do. Paul, (laughs) tell people where they can follow you. You can find me at Paul Holden 33. You can also find the show at LO Rockies. And uh, like you said, Sully's got your Rockies coverage uh, next week. We'll also have another cameo appearance from another NL podcast uh, taking over one of the episodes as well. But Sully, thank you again uh, for your time. Thanks for covering it. Uh, folks, until next time, uh, this has been the Locked On Rockies podcast. We'll see you next time.